Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Michael Seely. He's a mental, he's a, sorry, he's a mindset coach and mental health professional, and he helps high-performing individuals get results far beyond their expectations. So um, he's got a fantastic background in as an athlete, and he's going to talk about sports psychology. I love talking about mindset, especially in the realm of athletics and performance, business, entrepreneurship, and I'm happy to welcome him to the show. Michael, welcome. Chris, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I know you have an extensive background, so kind of tell people you know, your story and how you got into the work that you do. Yeah, so my first career was being a professional athlete. I was a bicycle racer. I did that very seriously from probably age 16 through age 24. Um, went to the Olympic trials a couple times, got some state championship titles. Really, really enjoyed that as a career. Was making a little bit of money at it, but not quite enough. So I got quote unquote practical at about age 24 and went to college. Uh, got a degree in Spanish, became a Spanish teacher. L- loved the job, didn't quite pay enough, um, and took that, sort of leveraged that into working in uh, voice recognition technology kind of in the early days, or in late 90s, early 2000s. Um, enjoyed that quite a bit as well. And then one day at the firm I was working for, we had an organizational psychologist come in and basically give us all the psychological testing and trying to make the organization work better. And that's when I became really fascinated in psychology. I've been interested in psychology as a bike racer as well, always been interested in psychology, but this particular organizational psychologist came in and just really opened my eyes into systems theory and how everything affects everything else, opened my eyes into leadership, the power of like a really uh, strong leader and how that has a huge effect on an organization and decided to go to grad school and become a psychotherapist, opened up my own practice. Uh, I now have uh, three practices in three different states, all online therapy. Uh, More recently in the last about year and a half, I you know, I was getting a lot of clients who were athletes because I'm an athlete as well. And we were doing work together uh, in psychotherapy. And then they got to the point where they're like, hey, can you coach me in my sport? I said, sure. So, you know, leveraging, leveraging some of the principles I learned in, in psychotherapy, uh, turning that more into a, a performance-based program. And so I uh, opened up my own business, uh, michaelseeley.com, which is just pure coaching. So part of my business is more of the repair work, traditional psychotherapy, and the other part is people who really want to, who are ready to progress to the next level. Um, So I implement, again, a lot of the um, principles of psychotherapy, holistic look at the person, at the performer. So if you're an entrepreneur or an athlete or anybody aspiring to do something new and challenging in your life, there's, there's a lot of things if you're, if you're just trained in coaching, there are things you can overlook that I think that psychotherapy brings in some, kind of fills in the gaps there. Um, so that's basically my story. Um, I, I love psychology, it's like a puzzle. When someone presents a problem to me, I just love it. It's, sometimes, you know, it takes a while to figure out, and, but I've seen enough patterns where I'm like, all right, this is juicy, let's dive in and, and let's fix this. So that's basically me. Yeah, it's, I love that. Um, and, um, you know, I, um, you know, competed as an amateur, but uh, talk about, you know, some people on the podcast are listening. They're like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Um, you know, I'm a businessman. How does uh, sport psychology apply? How can it help entrepreneurs better performance? Um, 
executive thinking, all of that. Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, if you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're an athlete. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very difficult, very challenging. And you picked it for a reason. So you have a type of personality that likes challenges and you really want to grow. And so um, a, a lot of my work with athletes is very similar to entrepreneurs in that uh, they're trying to achieve something um, that maybe they don't even know that they can achieve. And it's very daunting. But again, they have this personality that really likes to rise to the occasion. And in that, there's um, any kind of strength can also be a weakness, too. So um, if you're super motivated and really grinding all the time, that can lead to burnout, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you are very independent and headstrong and strong-willed, that's great. But then you maybe don't network enough, right? And this applies to athletes, too. A lot of athletes will have a great career, and then afterwards they're kind of lost, right? So yeah. I look at when I work with athletes and entrepreneurs, it's it's like this long game, right? You're in it for the long haul, right? And you're going to have wins and losses, and the the graph is going upwards, but there's these little ticks up and down in the graph, and when they go down, um, let's how do you deal with that? Do you deal with that in um, a very very frustrated? Do you feel like giving up? Which by the way is pretty normal. But the more of these dips you have, and you've probably seen this in your business life as well, that, you know, if you keep plugging away, things will go up again, right? Um, yeah. so, so really, again, athletes and entrepreneurs have the same mindset, and they're also prone to the same pitfalls based on their strength of being a determined uh, winner, right? So they don't like losing. But if they, you know, take it personally, if you take losing personally, Mm, you know, that, that can be a problem too. And then again, burnout is another one. There's, there's a couple other things too, where, you know, you're not taking care of your health. You have to have good health. So I'm a big uh, fan of having routines, uh, non-negotiable routines in your life, ex getting plenty of exercise, limiting alcohol use, um, taking vacations. You know, all of these things are again for that long game. If you want to win in the long term, you have to be, um, have to set yourself up for success. So Mm, yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, a lot of um, my colleagues, um, you know, they were surgeons or, you know, uh, or executives or uh, even entrepreneurs, and they all they, a lot of them were athletes and kind of how you talked about, you know, sports psychology. Um, there's also this idea of this myth of balance in high performance. So talk about that. Yeah. Well, I think balance is very personal. I do believe in balance, but you know, when you hear this sort of preaching of balance by um, by people on on YouTube or whatever, right? It's it's more of like I I must have a prescribed amount of balance, just like everybody else. Like I should take two weeks of vacation per year. I should take one at least one day off a week. You know, all of these things that you quote unquote should do. And my the clients I work with, uh, we find what is your personal balance like. What is it that's going to, at the very least, keep you from burning out, right? You have to have that built in there. I mean, like a race car going around a track comes in for pit stops. If you don't come in for pit stops, you're going to lose the race. So I, you know, pitch it that way because entrepreneurs, athletes, they, they don't, they're very hard on themselves. They're very critical and they really push themselves. So it's, um, it's really about balance. What does that mean to you? So I would say, Chris, what does balance mean to you? And you, you might might say, you know what, uh, I like working every day of the week. I'm like, great. What's the one day where you work a little bit less, right? So that you have um, this natural sort of cycle to your week, natural rhythm. Um, and I don't spend enough time with my kids. Like my, my brother spends a lot of time with his kids and I feel guilty. Like, well, 
when was the last time you sat down with your spouse and had a conversation about what is the right balance? And so it's a very personal thing, but I do believe in balance, but it has to be personal to the, the person I'm working with. And then you also talked about earlier on, um, you talked about the importance of routines. And mm-hmm. so kind of talk about um, um, what are some of the positive daily habits, routines you teach your clients, you know, or that you implement um, so people can understand more. Yeah. Well, with athletes, they're probably getting enough ex- exercise. But with uh, entrepreneurs, sometimes they, that's not a priority, right? So that um, I'm going to skip the gym today. I have too many meetings, right? Common thing. And it's really, again, it's like these, like these pit stops. Like if you're a race car, you need to stop and get gas and get your wind, windshield washed and all this kind of thing. With anyone I work with, it's, it's, really, it's really about establishing the routine that works for you, again, for that long game. So that if you, anyone can go probably a week or two weeks without exercising and even eating poorly and not getting enough sleep, two weeks is kind of the max. And then it really starts to affect your performance. Mm-hmm. So that I, I tell it this way. It's like, do you want to win for two weeks or do you want to win for two, two years or 10 years? If you're on that long track, you, you do have limits as a human being. Like this, this is the vehicle, if you will, that you were given. You're not a robot. You know, you have to respect the limits of the human body. Um, so the routines take care of that. And then if you put them on autopilot and make them actually non-negotiable, like I go to the gym at least three times a week, no matter what. And I, I schedule everything around that. So you set these sort of um, bedrock priorities literally in your calendar so you can't schedule over them. Okay, here's my family time. You know, here's, here's this, here's that. And you look at it and you go, okay, if these are happening every single week, I'm good, right? And I respect these because, again, I'm invested in the long game, not the short game. You know, you mm-hmm. Occasionally you might tweak the schedule, but... I would say exercise and time with family, friends, socializing is really essential for human beings. And you, you need to respect that. Get those dialed in. Make them automatic. Um, you know, it takes probably about two months to get a new habit and a routine automated so it becomes a default. So if people are trying, you know, a, a new routine, exercise, and it, they're going to have ups and downs. But once you do it for about two months, it gets, it gets established so yeah, again, it's, it's about that. What's the long-term game plan and what are the routines that are going to facilitate that? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, and like, again, most of the people I talk to, they have some sort of movement or like yoga or, you know, meditation, strength, uh, and kind of postural. The other thing is, um, a lot of, uh, people listen to their bodies and, um, either their triggers or kind of situations kind of like, you know, get them out of their optimal zone. But then you talk about anxiety and you talk about it as a call to action. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, Anyone, again, who's a human being is going to feel anxiety. It's going to happen. That's, I mean, you have a limbic system inside of your brain and you, you can't, take that out. <laughs> Basically there it is, is, you know, from the, the, the old days when we were on the, on the African savanna and tigers were chasing us, right? So that if you hear a loud noise or see something under your peripheral vision, you feel this adrenaline instantly, right? And that's good. So we're wired for survival. So well, I call it an action signal in, in that human beings are basically, we have um, a, a 1.0 model that's based on being a hunter-gatherer and only in the last you know, maybe a couple thousand years tops, we've 
been in quote unquote modern times without a lot of predators after us. So we have to deal with this, this old model. And the old model is um, it overreacts to any kind of a danger. So in modern times, you have to step in as the observer of that system and not get caught up in that alarm system. So that if you get triggered, let's say that you get, um, you lose a big client in your business and you out of the blue, you're surprised. And of course, you're going to be hit with a lot of emotion instantaneously before you can even really think about it rationally. And so you're, you, in the old days, you'd be stuck with these emotions and you'd, you would take action. You would run away or you would do something or you'd, you know, whatever you do, you take some sort of a physical action. So I call it an action signal based on this old archaic system so that you as the observer of the executive of yourself, you can look at this action signal, not call it, oh, I'm um, incapacitated with anxiety. I have anxiety. It's like, no, there's an action signal that's popped up on my dashboard. It feels I'm feeling all the, you know, the emotions of it, but what do I want to do about it? And I tell my clients, label that anxiety, label that stimulus we'll call it a stimulus comes in is it actionable in the moment meaning like is it an emergency is literally something on fire when you lose a major client mm, you might want to send them an email you might want to follow up on the phone right away so you might label that stressor that input as you know urgent actionable right let's say it's something um, where you get a complaint from a customer and it's not a huge deal um, what you can do is you label that appropriately. You'd say actionable, but do later. So I have my clients literally think about like a label that appears across the screen of your vision of either um, emergency, actionable quickly, um, actionable later, or drop it. The challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs and athletes is to they, rarely do they drop something that's like a, a stressor because they like winning. Right, so I like to conquer problems. So um, a lot of work I do is just having people identify what to do with the action signal, the feeling of anxiety. What are you going to do about it? Sometimes if you literally write down and clarify, you could just literally say, what is the input? It's this happened. What is um, my action, right? And sometimes it's just a small action, like send an email or, or even just journal or even talk to somebody about it. But always taking taking some sort of an action. And sometimes that action is just a decision to say, okay, I had um, a three-star review. I wanted a five-star review. I'm going to drop it. I'm not going to do anything about it. So that's what I mean by anxiety is an action signal. You have the power not to get caught up in the anxiety. You have the power to take action. And every time you take an action productively, the anxiety is going to be reduced. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And then the next question is kind of, so it's basically kind of this mindful, intentional approach where you kind of identify the stimulus and the trigger. And yeah. then, you know, once you kind of assess that, you know, from a right perspective, then you can take appropriate action as opposed to, you know, kind of just being reactive. The other question I have is, you know, logic, you talk about logical fallacies and why it's important to know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So if you're working like, let's say in a company, well, so there's a whole list of logical fallacies. So you can, you can Google them. Like, you know, there's an ad hominem, you attack the man, right? You attack, instead of attacking the argument, a bandwagon, you know, all the other businesses, all the other chiropractors in my area are doing this thing I should too, right? So it's just sort of identifying the, these very common 
ways of persuasion, right? And you see this a lot in the news media, you see it in political debates, you can spot them. So again, I tell people Google logical fallacies and you go, oh, okay, that's what that politician's doing or that's what this advertising is doing to me, right? And then if you hear these logical fallacies enough, you start to apply them to yourself and your interpretation of events. So this, let's say that you're in um, a meeting and you're the CEO and uh, you get feedback maybe from one of your one of the people working there and it's critical toward you, right? And if you take that as an attack on me as a person, take it personally, that's an ad hominem, that's a logical fallacy. So that, and then you would instantly say, well, this, my employee is wrong. What does he know? He's never built a business, right? So what, what you need to do is listen, like listen to the logic, like where's the logic in this statement from this employee that's criticizing my business decision, right? And, and a lot of times what you can do and when you have, I'll call it again, like a stressor or an input is ask, ask another question, right? Uh, like, well, yeah. what's, what is this about? I mean, what can I learn from this? Where's the logic in this? So yeah, Google logical fallacies, study a little stoicism also. These things are, are great. Um, they're kind of old school things and, and they really help you when, um, when stress, when the stress is really turned up. Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, so kind of, you know, as we kind of come to the close, um, kind of talk about, you know, lessons you learned, um, how people can apply this and actually, and how people like, you know, everybody sh should have coaches. Um, and, um, you actually remind me of the, um, the, uh, the billionaire coach on, uh, Wendy Rhodes on, on this, on the, uh, the show, um, you know, helping you know, people make really good decisions. So how can people contact you, follow you um, as we close this out? You know, it's, um, you've probably seen this in, in your business, having, having a coach, um, even just a couple of sessions can really help with getting a lot of clarity. Um, uh, so I, I think it's good for everyone to try. Um, if people want to work with me as a coach, it's michaelseely.com. My last name is spelled C-E-E-L-Y. Um, you just Google my name, Michael Seely. All my info pops up on the web. I'm on all platforms. My psychotherapy practice are, are in California, Florida, and Wisconsin if you want to work with me there. I call that repair work, right? I call <laughs> the, the coaching more the building work. So whatever whatever situation you're in, hit me up and you know, let's talk. Sure. I love that. Um, and for all the audience out there, really exciting conversation. Um, and I love mindset um, coaches. And all of Michael's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to follow him on all his socials, you know, leave a five-star review. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Chris, thanks so much for having me.